This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Game over. Nothing personal. Word of the day. Friday, January 29th, 2021 is game over. I say game. You say stop. That's the new word association. There is something going on in the world in which I used to live. And I'm going to take this opportunity today to explain what in the hell is going on. Are people getting rich? Are people getting poor? Are people getting screwed? Spoiler alert. There's more screwing going on than on the set of a dime store porn movie. And I want to explain why. There's outrage. Billionaires losing money. Mets fans worried that the owner is like the Wilpons losing all his money and therefore can't sign Trevor Bauer. People quitting their jobs, taking mortgages out, second mortgages on their family's home without telling their families they're doing it to get money to put into the stock market. I want to tell you a story about when I joined Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley is a firm on Wall Street. I joined it after I was running news travels fast, delivering newspapers in Europe. The internet started. I realized, or someone told me that the internet wasn't going to go away. And that was the end of the newspaper business. Who the heck wants an actual newspaper anymore? Even though I still get one every day, I get a regular newspaper. I like the ink on my fingers. I like sort of the black ink of the New York Times or other newspapers on my finger. I still like that. The crinkling when you fold it. So you join Wall Street. And the first thing you have to do is called training. Just like before you start a season in baseball, you go to spring training. Before you start a season in basketball, you go to training camp or football. Let's go to training camp. Let's have a fall training, a winter training. Training is when you learn how to do something. Weight training, learn how to lift weights. And then once you learn how to lift weights, you lift weights and then you get bigger with a supplement or two maybe. Training is when you spend six months learning forget business school, forget law school. You spend six months learning how to trade, learning and understanding the mechanics of trading in the market, in the stock market, learning the difference between fixed income, which are bonds and equities, which are stocks. Learning 
about what it is to find investors, learning how to figure out who is a sophisticated investor, whose money you can take, help them make money, and then make money for yourself. In the old days, Wall Street was a place where you make money for other people and for yourself. Then it became a place where you make money just for yourself. And then it became a place where everybody thought that they could make money for themselves and you could do it from the comfort of your own home. There have been movies, there have been books, and it comes down to the oldest concept in the world that started with the cave people. How do I get rich as quickly as possible by doing as little as possible with risking as little as possible? That is the age old question. Your parents always said, you've got to work hard, work hard, put the work in and you'll get rewarded. Well, now people think that they don't have to put any work in and then the rewards will come. So when you're on Wall Street, you have to find a way to learn about companies. Companies that make products. Companies that manufacture products, make products and sell products. There's a market for those products in the form of shares of stock. A share of stock is something that you buy, which gives you ownership of that company. The first share of stock I ever owned was a McDonald's. I'd walk into a McDonald's when I was eight years old. I would rip off the corner of a one napkin in one napkin holder in one McDonald's. And I would say, I own this napkin. I own one share of stock out of the millions of shares that are outstanding and owned by other people. I own a bit of a napkin. There are things that you can do to study what the share of stock should be worth versus what it is worth. What a share of stock should be worth is learned by learning, learned by learning. That sounds good, Coca, doesn't it? The fundamentals of the company. What are the assets of the company? What are the liabilities of the company? Meaning, what does the company own? What does the company owe? How much cash does the company have? Let me tell you a story about a pizza company. A pizza company owns one pizza store. Call it the corner pizza store. When you walk into the pizza store, you see the assets of the pizza store. They've got an oven. They've got one of those things that gets put in the oven to flip over the pizza. They've got containers that are stainless steel that have vegetables in them. In the back, they've got cans of tomato paste. They've got dough. They've got people who they pay to make pizza. They have a storefront. The assets of that pizza company are the things in the store that they own. Now, if you put a mortgage on your pizza store, like you would put on your house or your apartment, where you put down $20,000, you then borrow $80,000 and you buy the pizza store for $100,000. That means you owe 80,000, you owe 80%, but you own 20%. Then you go in the pizza store and you have equipment. Let's say you pay cash for the equipment and you own the oven and you own the utensils and you own the inventory. 
that is used to make the pizza. You add up all of the assets that you own, you subtract all of the money that you owe, and that is what the pizza store is worth. Now, let's say I walk in one day and I put $50,000 of cash inside the store. I just put it in a bag and I put it in the store. Then a stranger comes in and says, I want to value your pizza store. I want to buy it from you. What's it worth? Well, I then go through all of the assets I have, the pizza oven, the utensils, the tomato paste, the vegetables. And I say, by the way, I've got $50,000 in cash in a suitcase on the floor, and that comes with the pizza oven. Okay. The pizza store is now worth $50,000 more than it was the day before because there's $50,000 of cash inside the pizza store. When you look at a company that you cannot visit by walking in, let's say a company like, hold on, let me think of a name. Oh, I got it. GameStop. You don't know whether or not there's cash inside the store at GameStop because you don't know which store to walk into. You don't know exactly what the assets are of GameStop or the liabilities. The only thing you know about GameStop, which is a publicly traded company, is what the value of a share of stock is. And you multiply that by the total number of shares outstanding. And that is, in theory, the value of GameStop. There are people who go through training who studied the fundamentals of the pizza store or of GameStop. And they say, look, every share of stock is now trading at $10. There are 10 shares outstanding. That means the store is worth $100. But I know for a fact when I study GameStop and I learn about the revenues they have and the expenses they have and the possible future revenues they have, I think it's really worth $20. Therefore, I'm going to go see if I can buy a share of stock at $10 because I think it's going to increase to $20 and I'm going to make money. That's what happens when you buy a share of stock. You buy it and you hope that there is an increase in the value. How does a share of stock increase? By finding someone who will buy your share for more than you paid for it. It's that simple. When you own a share of stock at $10, it is not worth anything until you get someone to buy that share of stock for more than $10. You can pretend that it's worth more by looking in the paper, by going online and seeing, wow, shares are now at 11. Shares are now at 12. I'm rich. It's gone up a dollar, $2 or $3. But you're not rich until you sell your share of stock that you bought at 10 at the new increased price. So people spend their lives trying to find stocks where they can buy it at a low price and sell it at a high price. But again, you are only worth more money if you sell the share. Okay, that's called buying a share of stock. Now, for sophisticated investors, there is something called options. Stock options can only be bought and sold on Wall Street by sophisticated investors, meaning they have to understand the risks of what an option is. An option is the ability to do something at a future date that you don't want to do today. 
in very simple English. I want to buy a share of stock tomorrow and I want to buy it tomorrow at $10. Would anyone be willing to sell me a share of stock tomorrow at $10? The reason why I want to have an option to buy a share of stock tomorrow at $10 is right now, it's only trading at $8. And I think tomorrow, it's going to be trading at $12, but I have a right to buy it at 10. Are you with me? An option means that you are promising to buy a share of stock at a certain price. And you hope when you buy the stock at that price, that you can then sell it at a higher price. But you've promised. So if that stock goes down, then you lose, meaning you promise to buy the stock tomorrow at $10. You think it's going to be at 12, but it's really only at six. That means tomorrow you've got to buy the stock at $10 and you can only sell it at $6. That means you've lost money. But if you promise to buy the stock at $10 and it's at $20, you get to buy it at 10 and then turn around and sell it at 20. You've made money. Options are very dangerous. Do you know why? Because you don't need the money today to make a promise to buy the shares tomorrow. You are making a promise to do something at a future date, and you don't need the money today to make that promise, but you sure as hell need it tomorrow. Does that sound like anything you know? It sounds like your credit card. When you use your credit card, you are telling the credit card company, please pay the store that I just bought my shirt from because I promise I'll pay you back for the shirts in 30 days. And the credit card company says, no problem. We accept your promise. But just in case, if you can't pay us back in 30 days, we're going to charge you interest. And we're going to charge you so much interest that instead of just buying the shirt from the store directly and giving them their 30 bucks for the shirt, you're going to have to pay me back 50 bucks because I lent you the money to buy the shirt. That's called interest. So what in the name of holy crap has happened with the company called GameStop? GameStop is a company just like a pizza store. GameStop has a bunch of stores that sell video games and no one's going to them to buy video games because everyone goes online to play video games. GameStop is like Blockbuster. It's finished. It's done. But for some reason, a bunch of people said, I have an idea. Let's take a look at GameStop because there's a lot of rich people who have done something called short the stock of GameStop. So what does short a stock mean? Well, I told you a story about buying a stock at 10 and hoping it goes to 12. When you short a stock, you buy it at 10 and you hope it goes to eight. You are rooting for the stock to go down. If anyone plays craps in Vegas or anywhere else, it's like playing the don't pass line. You are betting against the success 
of a roller in craps. Shorting a stock means that you are betting it's going to go down and not up. The reason why you would expect or hope a stock to go down, let's go back to the pizza store. I walk into the pizza store and I see a pizza oven and I see the tomato paste and I see the vegetables, I see the utensils. And instead of seeing $50,000 inside the oven in cash or $50,000 in a suitcase on the floor in cash, I see a suitcase that Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels brought in and it's a suitcase full of IOUs. It's pieces of paper that say, I owe the person who supplies my tomato paste $100. I own the guy who sold me the oven $200. I haven't paid my employees in a month. I owe them $300. And there are roaches on the floor. So my pizza store isn't open. So I can't sell pizza. So what looks like a good pizza store when I actually walk in and look around is not so good at all. And they're going to go out of business. For some reason, someone thinks that the shares of this pizza store should be at $10. So they are at $10, but I know better because I studied the fundamentals of the pizza store and that pizza store is not worth anything. Therefore, I want to short that stock of the pizza store. The way to short a stock of a pizza store is to go to a broker and say, excuse me, May I borrow some shares of that pizza store? You borrow the shares and you say, I'll pay you back. You borrow the shares of the pizza store and you immediately sell those shares that you don't even own because you borrowed them. And you sell the shares at $10 because you promised that in 30 days, you're going to buy the shares back to give the shares back to the broker from whom you borrowed. So every day passes of 30 days. You borrowed shares, you sold them at the market price of $10, but you know the pizza store doesn't work, the oven doesn't work, the vegetables are stale, there's a bunch of IOUs in a suitcase, and people are going to figure that out, and the shares are going to go down. 30 days passes. The broker who you borrowed the shares from says, I want my shares back. And you say, no problem. I'm going to go into the market and I'm going to buy shares, but I know the shares will have gone down because there's a bunch of IOUs in the pizza store. The pizza store isn't worth crap. So the shares of, of the pizza store are going to be $2. I'm going to go into the market and buy those shares for $2. And I'm going to give them back to you at $10. I win. I bought them at two and I sold them at 10. I shorted that stock and I got rich. Sounds good, right? Uh-oh. Day 15 of the 30 days. You walk by the pizza store. You're all excited because you see roaches. You're all excited because the ovens don't work and there's no one waiting outside to buy pizza. But all of a sudden, a truck pulls up. It's a Brinks truck. Out of the Brinks truck walks a man. A man has a suitcase with $10 million in it. He walks into the pizza store. He drops the $10 million off and he leaves the store. And you say, holy shnikes, there's $10 million in the pizza store. If anyone finds out there's $10 million in the pizza store, the shares of stock are going to skyrocket. Day 30 comes. The $10 million is still in the pizza store. 
you go to buy the shares of stock in the pizza store. And instead of being at two dollars, because that's where they should have been, they're now at two hundred dollars. Oh, crap. I've got to buy shares at two hundred dollars. Because I've got to give those shares back to the guy, the broker who I borrowed them from. And I borrowed them 30 days ago and I sold them at $10. But I've got to buy them back now at $200. I am bankrupt. I'm out of money. I'm done. I'm screwed. I rooted for the stock to go down. And instead of going down, it went up. There are professional people who go looking at pizza stores all over the country and they decide what they are going to short. They borrow a lot of shares. They sell them at a price where the company is trading at that day. 30 days later, they know the stock is going to be down and they get rich. Well, on Reddit, there was a group of people who said, I see that everybody is shorting GameStop. Everyone realizes that GameStop is a crappy company with an old school business model. And there is nowhere for that stock to go but down. So on Reddit, they got into their chat room and they said, all of these big rich people on Wall Street are shorting the stock. I have an idea. Let's get together and drop off $10 million inside the store of GameStop. Let's drive up the price of GameStop. And then all of a sudden in 30 days, when these rich people have to buy the shares to pay them back because they're in a short position, they're not going to be able to buy them at $2. They're going to have to buy them at $200. And we're going to screw them. Power to the people. Meanwhile, kids adults, unsophisticated investors are borrowing money from anyone they can. They're secretly mortgaging their family home. They're going into the market on any website they can find and they're buying shares of GameStop at $5, at $6, at $10, at $20, at $30. It's up to 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Hooray, hip, hip, hooray. The stock's going up. Meanwhile, in Wall Street, all of the companies that had shorted GameStop are saying, wait a minute. Who's going into the store and dropping off this $10 million suitcase? What the hell is going on? We're losing all our money. What do we do? What do we do? We need money. We only have four days left. In four days, we're going to have to buy shares of GameStop, and we're going to have to pay back the people we borrowed from, and we are screwed. Meanwhile, the unsophisticated investors are in their Reddit chat room, and they're saying, we did it. We are showing those rich Wall Street guys that, we can do it without a business degree. We can do it without being sophisticated. We can take down the man. So GameStop price goes up. It goes up. It goes up. And the people who bought all those shares and shorted them say, oh, my God, we're about to go bankrupt. What do we do? Our entire fund where we get everybody's money, we collect it, we put it all together and we take these positions. We're losing billions of dollars and everyone's so happy because we used to be rich and now we are poor. And who doesn't like a story like that? That's the American dream. Get everybody who's rich to be poor. Get everybody who's poor to be rich. It's perfect. We're going to screw them all. 
What they don't realize is that at the end of the day, all of these people who are buying shares of GameStop and watching on paper every day as they get richer and richer, they bought 10 shares at $10. They invested $100. Now those 10 shares are up to $1,000. They've now got $10,000. They're rich. How do you get that $10,000 into your bank account? How do you get that $10,000 into cash? You've got to sell your shares at $1,000. And to sell them at $1,000, you've got to find someone to buy them at $1,000. So they go on to their Robinhood website, their no-fee trading website, and they say, sell Mortimer, sell, sell my 10 shares at $1,000. And Robinhood says, sorry. You can't sell them here today. We are stopping you from selling. And everyone went crazy. How can you stop me from selling my shares? How can you keep hurting the little people in order to help the rich? I'm going to sue you. I'm going to run you out of business. Maybe. But what are you going to do about your 10 shares of stock if you can't sell them? But don't worry, today everyone's excited because GameStop is open for business. Robinhood says you can sell five shares at a time. What's the moral of my quick story? The moral of my quick story is that for all the people using Robinhood and other platforms out there looking for companies and artificially increasing the value of those companies by buying shares and buying shares and buying shares. If you think for one second that you are missing out by not being involved or that you are somehow going to be rich by being involved, you are missing a fundamental point of Wall Street and investing in companies. When there is no underlying reason for a company to be worth what it is currently trading at, you can bet your last dollar that the price of that stock will go down because people know better than you. How many times do people who make lines when you're gambling, how many times do they get it right within a half a point? And you say, wait a minute, that line shouldn't be one and a half. It should be four. I'm betting that. And then it ends up at a one point game or a two point game. There are people who do it for a living. There are people who figure out what a share of stock should be traded at, and then a market is created, and people are buying and selling around that number, and the number only changes when the underlying fundamentals of the company change. When someone realizes there's a $10 million suitcase that was put into the pizza store, or when someone realizes that the suitcase is actually full of IOUs and not full of $10 million, there are actual things that happen. When American Airlines has a crash or when a 737 MAX is bought but not flown because it's not safe, or when people are not flying because of COVID, there's a reason why the stock is down. And you can buy it all you want and artificially increase the value of American Airlines, but it is going to go down and you better get out of it before it does or you are going to get absolutely pummeled. 
This is not because I am in favor of Wall Street over the common man. It is because the people on Wall Street have the experience and this is what they do for a living. It would be like them walking into your business and telling you what to do and how to do it when they have no experience or understanding. There are people whose sole job is to figure out what companies should be worth. One of those men is Steve Cohn. Steve Cohn, the owner of the Mets, started a hedge fund. What a hedge fund is, it's a fancy word. It's when you get everybody's money together and you make the decisions on which pizza store you are going to invest in. That's all it is. Steve Cohn's hedge fund invests money in companies and other hedge funds. One of the hedge funds Steve Cohn invested in is a hedge fund that had a short position in GameStop. One of the hedge funds that had a short position in GameStop did exactly the story that we've told you here on Nothing Personal, where they expected the suitcase inside GameStop to be full of IOUs. All of a sudden, it was full of money and the price went up. They had a position where they had to buy shares in the market because they had to pay back the shares in their short position. You remember what we talked about 10 minutes ago? And they didn't have the money to buy the shares. So they went to Steve Cohn and said, Help me, please. Help me, please. I need billions of dollars. Steve Cohn said, Rutrow, I've already invested billions of dollars in you. I better invest some billion more because if I don't, I'm going to lose my first billion. It's like throwing good money after bad. Not a good idea if you don't know what you're doing. But if you do know what you're doing, you throw good money after what people think is bad money, but you know it's good money because you know that you don't want to lose your original investment. So you've got to invest more to protect your original investment. It's like putting in a hot water heater in your house before you sell it, because when people want to come by your house and they can't get hot water when they turn the faucets on, they're not going to be so happy. So you invest in a new hot water heater in order to sell your house. Mets fans are all going crazy thinking they can't sign Trevor Bauer because Steve Cohn lost a few billion dollars. Steve Cohn loses money some years, makes money some years. Over time, when you are investing, you are going to make money. The reason why rich people get richer is they have the ability to weather the storm. It's the story of the casino that I've told you a million times. The reason why casinos do so well and make so much money is that you walk into a casino, you lose your money because you don't have enough bank behind you to wait for the odds to catch up to you. If you go in and lose a few hands or a few bets and you don't have the money to keep going, remember the story we told you, was it on this show, Coca, where we told you about roulette? If you have enough money and you want to win $100, put $100 on red. And if you lose, just put $200 on red the next spin. If you lose, put $400 on red the next spin. If you lose, put $800 on red the next spin. Eventually, there's going to be a red. But eventually, if you don't have an unlimited amount of money, you're going to run out of money. But if you have an unlimited amount of money, then you can keep betting red. But what the casino knows is you're going to run out of money and the next spin is going to be red and you will not have a dollar on that and you will have lost all your money. What hedge funds do is they've got the money to keep betting red until it finally turns red because eventually it will always 
spin to a red number. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens from a regulatory standpoint, because the reason Congress is taking a look at this, they are not just looking the way they're pretending they are looking at Robinhood and upset with Robinhood that they shut down their platform. When you sign up for Robinhood, you are signed up to terms and conditions that you click on. And many of those terms and conditions talk about the fact that you do not have a constitutional right to trade and sell your 10 shares of GameStop at the current price. Just like when you work at an investment bank, just like when you are in the market, in whatever form you're in, you do not have the right to sell at a certain number. The only right you have is to be in a market. And if you can find someone to sell at the price that you are willing to sell and someone to buy at the price that you are willing to sell, that they will help you make a trade. That's what Robinhood does. They find people who want to sell at $10 and they find people who want to buy at $10 and they match them up. It's like a matchmaker. That's what Robinhood is. That's what markets are. They match buyers and they match sellers. But what happens when there aren't enough buyers? Then you can't sell. And you end up with a bunch of paper that says you own some corners of a napkin at McDonald's. The moral of the story here this morning is to please there is no such thing as getting rich quick. You've got to work and you've got to understand what you're doing. And if we're going to go into the market and pretend you're a sophisticated investor, then you've got to become a sophisticated investor. If your sole goal is to put hedge funds out of business, it's not going to work. If your sole goal is to be inside a Reddit chat room and to look for the next company and to build up that company's shares when they shouldn't be built up, I encourage you to find a better way to spend your time. When we come back, we are going to review a movie that is very much about a pizza store. We'll be right back. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson. We just spent quite a bit of time trying to explain what short selling is, trying to explain what happens in the stock market because it is all the rage. It's taking over. But there's still time to watch movies because we watch a movie every day, even when we feel like absolute crap. There's a new movie on Netflix that stars Nick Jonas's wife. Her name is Priyanka Chopra. Nick Jonas, the guy from Kingdom. Nick Jonas, the guy from a uh, the Hanson Brothers uh, band. Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra Jonas. A power couple if there ever was one. The movie The White Tiger is a combination of Slumdog Millionaire and Parasite. If you haven't seen Slumdog Millionaire or Parasite, please watch it. White Tiger is a movie about a servant in India and the relationship he has with his master, 
and how he decides to become a master himself and how he decides to climb his way out of the gutter and what he needs to do in order to get out of the gutter in India, where there is poverty and despair galore. The white tiger is a once in a generation tiger that's born white instead of yellow, I guess. Is that the color of a tiger, Coca? So the white tiger is meant to symbolize this once in a generation servant who can maybe become a master. And it is the story of what he does and how he does it, why he does it. I watched it with subtitles because I didn't wanna miss a word. That's my new thing, by the way, Coca. I don't know if that's me getting old. I don't know if that's me getting nervous. I don't know what it is. What I do know is that with subtitles, it makes everything more clear and more easy to understand. Please watch White Tiger if you can. And let me know what you think. And let me know if you agree that it's a combination of Slumdog Millionaire and Parasite. Okay, I want to get to the nothing personal pick of the day right now because it's my favorite part of the show because I'm hot. H-O-Triple-T, hot. Forget GameStop or American Airlines or AMC. How about getting into the pick of the day? Did you see what the Suns did to the Warriors? favored by one and a half, and I told you the Suns were undervalued and the Warriors were overvalued. They were. Suns beat the Warriors. We're now 12 and 12. We made it back to 500. We made it through the rain. We made it through the rain. God, I love Barry Manilow. Anyone else? Have you ever listened to the words of a Barry Manilow song? Just makes you happy. Okay, pick today. Why are the Knicks only favored by one over the Cleveland Cavaliers? Is that because the Cavaliers, did they just beat a, a good team recently, Coca? I want to say they beat the Sixers or the Lakers, but I, my main, I may have COVID on the brain. I, I still have a little brain fog from COVID, by the way. I'm feeling better today. This is day one of no symptoms. Do you know in day three, once I get to three days of no symptoms, I can leave the room. Hallelujah. Do you know what I did? I actually opened the door and just stuck my head out. It's very cold here where I am. And I just wanted to know what it would be like to actually be outside of a room. Day one, symptom free. Although it's pretty early in the day, but I'm hopeful. I'm coughing a little and coughing counts as a symptom, but I'm pretending I'm coughing just because I'm talking. So the Cavaliers beat the Nets. The Nets with the big three, Harden and, and uh, Jonas and, and Hanson. And uh, the Cavs now are getting a point. It's Durant, Kyrie, and Harden. Thank you, Coca. Cavaliers are getting a point from the Knicks. We're taking the Knicks. We're getting to over 500 today. And next week on Nothing Personal is the week of the Super Bowl. We're getting back to prop bets like we did last year on Nothing Personal. Get ready. Prop bets coming next week in the Nothing Personal pick of the day. All right. Let's talk a little player empowerment, Coca. You know what I want. I want to talk to Samson. It is critical to me, please. This is the Mikasuki moment. Download, subscribe, nothing personal. Hit subscribe. Tell your friends about nothing personal. Spread the word because we have fun here. Don't we have? I don't like when people say, don't we have fun here? There's no studio audience. I can't tell if you're having fun. I can't tell if you ever laugh or smile or learn. Although the numbers would indicate you are. 
Do you hear that port? Hear that EK? We're building these numbers. So you want to talk to Samson is when you ask a question on Twitter at David P. Samson, get in there and ask, and we may address it on the show. It's from a movie called Half-Baked. By the way, we are 48 hours away from watching Half-Baked again. Hip, hip, hooray! Hip, hip, hooray! What would you do with Deshaun Watson if you were president of the Texans? Boy, am I happy you asked that. Deshaun Watson is an example of player empowerment that infuriates me as an 18-year president of a team. Deshaun Watson was signed to a five-year extension, given over $100 million of guaranteed money. One of the top three quarterbacks in the National Football League. Had an unbelievable year. His team had a crappy year. And he has decided, for whatever reason, he doesn't like the coach. He doesn't like the GM. He doesn't like his locker. He doesn't like his commute. He doesn't like flood warnings. He doesn't like hurricanes. He doesn't like the Rockets. He misses James Harden. I don't give a crap what the reason is. He has now demanded a trade. He's had enough. And the world of the NFL is gaga. The biggest trade in history. It'll make Herschel Walker look like a trade that no one's ever heard of. Three first-round picks plus two a tag of the Jets will trade Sam Donald the first pick in the draft. Plus, they don't have the first pick in the draft. Sam Darnold, the third, second pick in the draft, plus this, plus that. We're going to get him. There's never been a player like Deshaun Watson available. People at CBS Sports HQ losing their minds. Let's go live. Let's go breaking news. Let's get every single NFL analyst to go through and tell us exactly how big a trade this is going to be and who's the favorite. By the way, you want to bet it? The Dolphins are plus 500. The Jets are plus 300. All you have to do is call your illegal bookie and wager money because you can guess who he's going to be traded to. And if he's not traded to that team, guess what? You lose. Do you know what the problem with making a bet like that is? It's the same as getting into Wall Street. Do you know what they're going to do in Houston? Do you have inside information? If I'm the president of the Houston Texans, I go like this. Deshaun? Deshaun, it's, it's, it's me, David. Yeah, I know we're having a hard time and I know you're not so happy right now with the team, but I just would like to point out something. It's going to be a cold day in Hades before I trade you. So if you want, could you put on your pads and maybe get ready for next season and try to win a damn game? We're going to do our best to get some people around us because we want to win too. But if you don't want to play here, be my guest. Sit out. Bye-bye. Feel free. Don't show up to minicamp. We'll find you every day. Don't play. We won't pay you. Be my guest, because guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a year older, and I'm still going to own the team. You think you're going to hold me hostage? You think that you can demand a trade, and I'm just going to bend over? No, I'm not. Meanwhile, in the other room, I've instructed my general manager to call 29 of the other 30 teams, except there's 32 in the NFL, to call 31 of the other teams, and I am asking them the following question. Do you want the best quarterback who's ever been traded? Do you want to change your team's fortunes on the field? Do you want to increase the asset value of your team? We will trade you Deshaun Watson if the price is right. And here's what we want. We want more than you're willing to give. And then on top of that, we want $10 million in cash. 
Now, why would I ask for $10 million in cash on top of draft picks, on top of players? Because the only way to guarantee that our team is better without Deshaun Watson is to make sure that I've got money. Because then I don't care if we go 2-14 and 14 or 1-15 and 15 because I tell my fan base that I want to win. But at the end of the day, I just want to make as much money as possible. And the reason I want to make as much money as possible, because even with Deshaun Watson, we went 4-12. and 12. Is that what they went, Coco? They went 4-12 and 12 or 5-11 and 11 or 6-8 and 8 or 6-10, and 10, whatever they went. So I might as well have money. And I'm going to tell my fan base, hey, I got a bunch of picks. Hey, I got two attack of Iloa. Hey, by the way, I got Sam Darnold. Hey, I got Garden Mishu and the rest of the other players from Jacksonville. And the first pick in the draft, I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence, pay him rookie scale, and maybe he'll be better than Deshaun Watson, or maybe our team will win the same number of games. They can't win fewer games because who cares? When I've won four games, what's the difference of winning three, two, or five? So go ahead and call the other 31 teams and get back to me. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep telling Deshaun Watson to sit there. Sit on it, Potsy. Anyone know who that is? Anson Williams. Anyone? Anson Williams, Donnie Most, Henry Winkler and Ron Howard, Marion Ross and Tom Bosley. Anyone? Sit on it. I am sick and tired of this player empowerment movement. I am more than happy to pay players what they're worth. I'm more than happy to give a no trade clause. I'm more than happy to give a long-term contract. But when you sign a contract with the team, you are marrying me and I'm marrying you and you're stuck. This isn't real life where you can just get divorced. This isn't real life where you can just walk out of the house and go stay in another house. When you sign on to play for a team, you are on that team, period, hard stop. The way this ends is very simple. I gave you a wait to see that Deshaun Watson would not be traded before the 2021 season. And I'm sticking to that wait and see because I have to stick to wait to see because when I tell you there's a wait to see, I tell you what's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to say it was wrong. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to say it was right. The wait to see stays the same. Deshaun Watson will not be traded because Houston and the rest of the NFL cannot continue to allow this trend of players signing deals and all of a sudden saying, you know what? I changed my mind. We'll tell you when you can change your mind and it ain't today. We've got a business to run, Deshaun. It's nothing personal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.